This is episode 67 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are 7 Reasons Why You Should Have a Medicinal Garden, A Prepper Looks Back, 10 Years of Prepping Lessons, and 22 Ways to Save Money While Homesteading. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started, uh, when I was getting ready for the podcast and uh, just kind of bouncing around Twitter and stuff, uh, saw the news on um, what happened over in Manchester, England uh, today. Now, for some of you who, who don't realize, maybe you're new to the podcast or you, you just never heard me say this, uh, I record the podcast the night before uh, it usually is. So this is the Tuesday podcast, but I'm recording it on Monday. And I do that because I want to be able to have it available for those of you who are, are on your morning commute, your Monday through Friday morning commute. So I record the Monday podcast on Sunday night. I'm usually doing that kind of late in the evening uh, just because I got work and the website and all kinds of different things going on. Uh, but uh, for, so for those of you who might not uh, have heard or you don't you know, watch the news or for whatever reason, um, I mean, it, it seems like it's on all the major uh, news outlets, at least on the Internet. Um, so uh, at an Ariana Grande concert, uh, someone blew themselves up. They believe it's a suicide bomber. They're believing it's terrorism. Uh, and they killed 20 or 19 people, uh, so 19 fatalities for sure, and 50 are injured, so that's 5-0, 50 are injured. And when you think about this, right, I mean, who goes to an Ariana Grande concert? It's going to be young people. It's going to be, you know, teenagers and kids in their 20s. I mean, there's going to be some older people there. But for the most part, I mean, that's kind of like the people that she's, that's her target audience. And so you're going to have a lot of young people that are going to show up and they're going to be, uh, you know, their names are going to come out, their ages are going to come out. Uh, they're going to be in their teens all the way up to their 20s, maybe some 30s. And uh, so whoever it was targeted these young people. And uh, just another another sign of the times, another th- reason to be careful, another reason why. And it's pretty sad, right? Uh, when you think about going to big events uh, and, and things like that, you know, you, you're, you're going to always have this in the back of your mind. Uh, and so uh, it's another reason. I mean, you, you always hear about... Uh, you know, preppers talk about, you know, be careful about going where there's going to be riots and be careful. You know, some of the uh, some of the video that you see on, on Twitter or online, you know, some people are, are videoing. So, uh, you know, they've taken the time to get their video, cam- their, their cameras out or their phones out and different things like that. Some people aren't moving at all. They're just kind of scanning the crowd and, and inside of the arena. Uh, from what I understand, it happened like in a lobby area. Um I'm not 100% sure on that. I think you know a lot of the the information is still coming out, and I was trying to wait for um, for a police uh, you know update, but uh, it just it wasn't coming on. So, uh, but uh, again, another reason why to be prepared, another reason why to think 
through what you, you what you're doing and where you're going and um, you know how you're gonna accomplish things. So uh, again, uh, it's just it's one of those things that when you start thinking about it, it bugs it bugs you because I've got kids who are in that age range. You know, uh, they probably they wouldn't be going to an Ariana Grande concert, but I've got kids in that age range, and that it just totally bugs me. You know that <clears throat> that something like that is going to happen, and it's something that we're uh, I you know I don't I don't believe this is going to go away anytime soon, and I think that you're going to wind up starting to see the pushback on this more and more and more and so uh i you know i'm curious if this comes out and it is terrorism which more than likely it is i think that um i you're gonna start you're gonna start to see pushback i mean can you imagine that happening here and how things would would start to change here and how people's expectations and and views on on certain uh you know on muslims would be and and how things would change so um just like the populist movements have risen up in Brexit and uh, here in America with Trump getting elected. And actually, you know, I talked about Martin Armstrong before. It happened in France, too, because um, the mainline parties did not win in France. Macron and Le Pen are, are populist parties. And so um, it actually the things that happened in Brexit and the things that happened here in America happened in France, too. It just happened to be that when it went to this tie-breaking kind of voting thing that Macron, you know, the the establishment kind of latched on to him and, uh, you know, made him uh, the guy that, that they wanted to win instead of Le Pen. And so you have this movement, and I've talked about, I think it was Friday, last Friday, uh, this frustration, um, it was Friday, uh, this frustration that's starting to rumble and these kinds of things just kind of accelerate that. So anyway, just kind of like my uh, my soapbox for the day. I'll pro I'll try not to uh, do too much commentary, although I know some of y'all like it. So I do appreciate that. Um, the first article comes to us from uh, ReadyNutrition.com, and this article is seven reasons why you should have a medicinal garden. And let's go ahead and start reading this one. Growing medicinal plants are a great way to ensure garden sustainability and more notably, have access to natural medicine when you need it most. When I, introduced mo mo <laughs> sorry. when I introduced more herbs in my garden, I noticed it had a profound impact on the vegetables and fruits I was growing. It also encouraged beneficial insects and birds to visit my garden, and this helped cut down on plants being eaten. Because of this observation, I changed my focus from solely growing to eat and instead worked to create a welcoming growing environment. Not only were my plants healthier, but I had access to natural herbs to use for making extracts and poultices. The following are reasons I feel gardeners should adopt adding medicinal herbs to the garden. Seven reasons why you should have a medicinal garden. Number one, have access to multiple forms of natural medicine for future, future needs. When you have fresh cut herbs to use for natural medicine, you have access to the freshest forms of their healing properties. For example... What if you cut your hand and did not have a bandage? Did you know that the sage leaf can be wrapped around a wound and used as a natural band-aid? Or if the bleeding from that cut was so bad that it wouldn't stop, did you know that a few shakes of some cayenne pepper can help control the bleed? Or if you have a severe bruise, make a poultice. It's one of those easiest and fastest ways to use herbal medicines. 
Number two is calm your senses with medicinal teas. Herbs like lavender, lemon balm, chamomile, catnip, and peppermint have a natural sedative quality to them to help calm your spirits or help you sleep better at night. Taking a handful of leaves and adding them to a cup of hot water will create a soothing cup of herbal tea. Here are some great herbal tea remedies to start with. Number three, many medicinal plants and herbs are perennials and will come back year after year. The more established the plants are, the more they will produce each year. This will save you money in the long run. I bought a small oregano plant three years ago and it is the size of a small shrub. I have so much oregano now that I can use it for culinary uses and experiment with making my own tinctures and astringents. As well, my echinacea has produced so many baby plants that I have dug them up and transferred them to another part of my property where I am creating another medicinal garden. Number four is feed your livestock. Livestock can also benefit from growing herbs in the garden. Not only can they be added for additional nutrition, but you can use herbs to make natural cleansing shampoos and even clean wounds. Some herbs I feed my animals are oregano, comfrey, lavender, mint, and sage. Note, not all herbs are healthy for your livestock, so do research to find out which ones are good for your animals. Number five, another added benefit of having a thriving medicinal garden is that bees love it. This promotes bee sustainability and a healthier garden as well. The blossoms put out by the flowers and herbs will attract bees that will in turn happily pollinate your vegetables and fruits. Consider planting some of these beneficial flowers in addition to herbs. Asters, sunflowers, salvia, bee balm, hyssop, mint, cleome, thyme, poppy, California poppies, bachelor's buttons, and lavender. Number six. Regrow from cuttings on your windowsill. Herbs like rosemary, lavender, mint, cilantro, oregano, marjoram, basil, sage, lemon balm, and thyme are perfect for starting in a glass or canning jar. Simply add water and set in indirect sunlight. It's that simple. Read more here. Number seven, herbs can be great companion plants for the vegetable garden. Don't feel handcuffed to only growing vegetables, but herbs can be planted nearby to do double duty as companion plants. Companion planting can also help control the insect balance in your garden and repel some of the most or more unwanted guests like mosquitoes. Some favorite companion herbs are pairing basil with tomatoes, chamomile near cucumbers, garlic planted near apple, pear, and peach trees, roses, cucumbers, peas, lettuce, or celery. Read more about which herbs are great companions here. Ready nutrition writer and herbalist Jeremiah Johnson has written extensively on how to cultivate a medicinal garden to use in a long-term emergency. His favorite medicinals are what he refers to as the three G's, garlic, ginger, and ginseng. You can read his article on the subject. To better understand natural medicinal and sorry, to better understand natural medicine and using herbals for health, I strongly recommend you read more on the subject. The following books come highly recommended. Herbal Antibiotics, Natural Alternatives for Treating Drug-Resistant Bacteria by Steward Berner, and Prepper's Natural Medicine, Life-Saving Herbs, Essential Oils, and Natural Remedies for When There Is No Doctor by Kat Ellis, the Herbal Prepper. This is not a new gardening concept, yet it's still not widely used. When you are planting your garden, consider adding a few herbs and watch the benefits grow before your eyes. All right, some good advice there, and I think uh, the medicinal route, I've been talking about that for a long, long time. Uh, I think as healthcare 
it gets further and further out of the reach of most people using uh, natural herbs and essential oils. I think a lot of people are starting to use that. Uh, just a, a quick little story. I, I do. Uh, I am a, an affiliate for Spark Natural Essential Oil, and there's one called um, a blend called an allergy blend. Uh, I think it's LLR. Uh, anyway, so we use that on a regular basis, and uh, I carry. I've talked about my Boo Boo kit, and I carry a little bit of that there, you know, inside of there. But I wind up giving that away because people, you know, in Houston have allergies. It's like all the time. And so one of the secretaries at work, I gave it to her, and she she talks about it all the time. She's like, she talks like Todd's Voodoo Medicine or whatever, and I'm just like, it's just essential oils, is all it is. But uh, she she sings the praises of it because it's worked and it helped her, and she so she went to go buy some. So anyway, that's uh, that's neat to uh, to to know, but uh, I think it's going to be a bigger a bigger thing as we get more and more into. Um, a healthcare system that is just kind of broken. So hopefully that can be repaired, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think a lot of things are going down <laughs> downhill from out, from down uh, from here on out. I hate to say that. That's kind of a negative, pessimistic view. It's just uh, man, that's just the nasty feeling that I have. It's just you know. Uh, some people are, are a little excited about you know the president and where he's going and those kinds of things. I just think that things are are going to continue just kind of going downhill or spiraling down. Hopefully they're so slow that we don't notice, but I'm afraid uh, that's the pessimistic side of me. Um, the the Christian pastor inside of me has great faith, uh, but great faith in God. But anyway, so <laughs> let's uh, let's keep going. This next article comes to us from the Prepper Journal. It's called "The Prepper Looks Back: Ten Years of Prepping Lessons." I think this is uh, this is going to be a good article for some of you to listen because you know the um, those of you who signed up for the the email uh, list and then you get you get onto the free e course. Um, in the in the first email that I send send out, I uh, I ask you to fill out a little poll. And those that have filled out the poll were pretty much split, uh, or actually a little bit more on the, uh, one of the questions is how long have you been prepping? So, um, and I can split it up in between, I mean, there's, there's a lot more categories, but basically five to five years or more, and then, you know, five and below. And so it's it's almost evenly split a little bit more to the side of five and below. So there's a lot of people out there. Um, you're more than likely listening to the podcast as well. Um, that uh, you've been prepping less than less than uh, five years. Uh, and so this is a good uh, a good article to uh, to consider because uh, there's there's a lot of truth in it. You know, um, a lot of truth in it. And I think I think Pat. Uh, is uh, is pretty balanced in his approach when he's talking about this. But let's go ahead and read this one. Uh, cl- cliche alert. Someone once said, don't really care enough to Google who, that you should only look back to see how far you have come. A lot of what we do in the world of prepping is a comparison and contrast. We look at what the guy writing the blog has and turn to look at our own survival preps and judge some of our worthiness and readiness on how we add up. It's a different take on keeping up with the Joneses, but I think most of us still look to others as a yardstick to see how we measure up. I know that I certainly looked at the stated supplies 
of others when I first began to get into prepping. And maybe that is a natural trait of us humans, some extension of our social or survival instincts. Imagine a caveman walking around and he sees his buddy walking around with a new saber-toothed tiger pelt wrapped around his hairy butt and thinks to himself, hey, I could use one of those. Then somebody thought of putting a molly pouch on that pelt to hold the caveman's fire making stones and boom the survival market was born that's <laughs> you, you it's almost comical but yeah you you kind of see all that and maybe there is nothing wrong with comparing yourself to other people at least as long as you don't feel inferior if you don't have what someone has or covet what they have in order to take it from them i personally see gear i would like to have all the time and have since i started prepping but i don't compare myself to other preppers as much anymore i don't feel like i have anything to prove when i discuss my personal preps maybe it's because i know you can never win that game lessons from a prepper i thought of this topic today like i do so many other topics in a completely random fashion sometimes i have to ponder several hours or days for an idea other times like today they just pop into my head walking down the hallway i thought that maybe it might be of some value to share some prepping lessons that I have learned in my personal preparedness journey that hits 10 years old this year. It is my hope that some of these lessons will resonate with you and give you comfort, ease, comfort, ease any disquiet you have or maybe a laugh. It all else, if all else fails, you can look at how silly I am and feel better about yourself, caveman. Okay, sorry guys, I want to have to increase the, the font here. Just my my eyes trying to look at this screen a little getting old here all right here we go continuing on uh the world is not ending tomorrow preppers and survivalists small s come to this site and the subject of preparedness self-reliance for a lot of reasons but i will propose that most reasons for prepping have fear at their root don't get me wrong i don't consider fear a bad thing at all we are given the guilt of fear so that we will be cautious when we need to we have a sense of danger that warns us, and I have relied quite successfully on this many times in our life. I prepare because I don't want bad things to happen to my family. Now, that doesn't mean I walk around scared, but it did prompt me to action. You should take whatever motivation you have and act on it, but relax more often than you are uptight. I live with a near certain expectation of doomsday, economic collapse, or government tyranny for the first years, and guess what? We are still here. Don't get so wrapped around the axle that you alienate family or make bad decisions. Chances are you have plenty of time to get ready. Unless it does. <laughs> but now that I've said that, it's easy to fall into the analysis paralysis. For those who don't know what that means, it is taking too long to make a decision or take decisive action. You have to poop or get off the pot. I know some preppers who have made extremely lengthy and detailed spreadsheets with tabs broken down in all the categories of their prepping supplies, hundreds of rows long. They have calculated the difference from one item to the next in price, shipping included, over four vendors. What's worse is they keep the spreadsheet updated frequently, but never purchase any of those prepping supplies. They know that they need to start they know they know what they need to start with but can't seem to pull the trigger. The prepper that has nothing but a really great plan won't be much better off than the person who's caught completely by surprise in a disaster. I recommend starting small but obtain the basics you need to weather bad events 
and build as you can. You don't have to purchase three years of freeze-dried food on day one, but don't sit there and wait for that awesome survival knife to drop another 55 cents. You need to ensure you have the basics. Two is one is a clever saying to get you to spend more money. And you got to come, you got to check out the pictures that he's got some really great pictures in this article. One is, uh, there's all these survival knives, um, probably about maybe 15 survival knives just there. Anyway, uh, continuing on. And since we are talking about purchasing a purchasing prepper supplies, you have all heard this one before two is one and one is none. That just means if you only have one of something, let's say a headlamp and that goes out or is lost, you have nothing to fall back on. Logic says that makes sense, right? Redundancy is another word we love to throw out there, which means essentially the same thing. And I'm not saying you don't need redundancy or even more than one headlamp. What I am saying is that you shouldn't apply this to your bug out gear. I gave a YouTube, I have a YouTuber that I really like who shall remain anonymous, but his bug out bag weighs 65 pounds. Why? Well, for one thing, he has a lot of redundancy in there. Many knives, saws, clothes, methods of food preparation, etc. Use your judgment on this. Your bug out bag does not have magical properties. And speaking of bug out bags, they're not a get out of disaster free card. A bug out bag in a best case scenario just gives you opinions. Simply having a bug out bag doesn't mean you get to live and everyone who doesn't have one dies. I fully expect many preppers to have their bug out bags taken off their lifeless bodies because they got cocky or just unlucky by some opportunistic soul if the worst happens. Bug out bags are a means to an end, not the end all be all. Prepare with them, but take their life saving properties with a grain of salt. They can only hold so much and real disasters suck no matter what you have on your back. You will never have enough stuff. I wrote a post a while back titled, Are You Ready for the End of Prepping? Its basic message was that no matter how much water you have stored, how many pallets of MRE tins of survival seeds or cans of beanie weenies you have stocked under your bed, eventually it all runs out. If we really go through a real deal SHTF incident, your supplies are only going to last so long. So the smart money is on planning now to live without your food storage, electrical tools, generators, and anything else you won't be able to maintain without the assistance of outside help. Yes, start prepping with the basics you can purchase at the store. Begin with a week, but I don't think you need to sink a year's salary into food. Start planting a garden instead, or look at taking that money and buying a piece of land far outside of the city. Prior military service doesn't necessarily make you better qualified to serve. And this is, again, the pictures are hilarious. He's got a picture of uh, a rainbow picture here. Uh, <laughs> and this is coming from someone who is ex-army. Yes, when you enlist in the service, you get different types of training. And much of this has ties into the world of prepping. Depending on the service branch, you learn marksmanship, weapons maintenance, team tactics, first aid, navigation, and how to generally break stuff and blow it up. That doesn't make you a survival expert and doesn't make you a natural leader. I know some preppers who like to lean on their past service and we aren't all created equal. Would you give someone who never saw combat the same authority on ambush tactics, for example, as someone who did four tours of Af Afghanistan? No, but on the flip side, that soldier that did four tours, thank you, might not survive any easier than the single mom who is prepared. Different skill set. 
Absolutely. But that doesn't guarantee survival or that they knew everything. Now, would I love to have four Navy SEALs in my personal circle of friends if SHTF? Of course. But don't believe for a second that you can't survive because you have no quote-unquote official training. Personal will is a huge factor in survival. If you have that, you are in good shape. Plan on self-reliance, but don't turn away help. The lone gunman is the image a lot of you think of it, of it some disaster happens. You will walk stoically out to the small clearing overlooking the smoldering ruins that used to be the city you live in. Taking in the scenery, you will turn and walk into the bush. Those fools didn't know what hit them. It's a good movie plot, but as a society, we survive by banding together. Yes, you can survive on your own for a while, but in order to thrive, you will need others, and it's better to learn to start playing nice now. Think about how you can survive with as many people as possible. You will be stronger, more capable, and you will have more people to talk to when the internet is gone. <laughs> how true. Uh, you will never know as much as you should, and maybe that's okay. If I was independently wealthy and didn't have a wife or kids or a dog, I could devote myself to learning every day. There are so many subjects I wish I had the time to learn. Maybe it's an excuse, but with a job and simple responsibilities of mine, free time is a luxury. Free time is a luxury I don't get get much of. But just because uh, I can't take Krav Maga class, <laughs> classes five days a week, compete in a CrossFit marathon, learn Morse code, or in small engine repair while I practice the finer art of leatherworking and blacksmithing in between classes of my EMT certification, that's okay. I have a pretty good bit of life ahead of me and I have time to learn as much as I need. I won't get hung up on what I don't know because I won't compare myself to other survival experts. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Prepping is a lifestyle, not a destination. You can never be prepared as if that was a mythical position you could obtain. Can we all be more prepared for a wider array of things? Yes. And can that mean the difference between life and death? I think so. But you can't buy the complete package of prepping on Amazon. It's a journey we are all walking and it will take forever to get there. I'm glad you are with me. Let's keep looking forward. So there are... Uh, some comments here you'll definitely want to go and kind of check out um, you know people uh, people kind of responding to I think it was a great article good advice um, you know good be, being able to look back I and mean, there was a lot of things like Pat was talking about in his article uh, you know being new to preparedness uh, I mean, th there was a time and maybe you can you you feel uh, or you've gone through this similar situation maybe you're going through it right now where you go into a grocery store or you go into a store, sporting goods or Walmart or wherever, and you, you're like, you're thinking, what do I need to survive? What do I need for SHTF? What do I need? You know, it's like you've got this list of groceries for the week or you got this, this list of things that you need and you're, and you're walking down and you're like, oh man, that would be helpful. I can, let me get this, you know, in case the zombies come, I, I'll have this or, you know, I need it. I need some of this or, you know, that especially happens, um, you know, early on. I read one second after and lights out and uh, I, I read both of those back to back and I got that double dose man and I was just like wow if this if this happened and and I believe a lot of people are there too because EMP articles are some of the most popular articles off a of proper website and uh, those are the ones people want to uh, to uh, you know to read and to, to do and I, I, I know that if there's an EMP article out there I know it's going to be a popular one so 
if, if you're there, you know you don't want to come from a point of fear. That's why we talk about planning. A lot of us who have been doing it for a little bit, we go back to the planning aspect of it. Are you? What are you planning for? What What are, what are the things that you, uh, the immediate needs that you have? You need to do that needs assessment. So a good article, a lot of good advice. Go check it out. He's got some links, uh, definitely links that you're going to want to check out and uh, go to. All right, this next article comes to us from Survival Sullivan. And it says, it's 22 ways to save money while homesteading. But a lot of these apply to just saving money. And so, um, I mean, some of these apply to, you know, to homesteading. But uh, a lot of these are going to be, you know, if you're... Uh, you know, you need, you realize the need to save money uh, for whatever reason. If you're trying to get out of debt, uh, you're trying to pay off some bills, you're trying to have more money to for your preps or whatever it is. Um, you know, all these kinds of articles are very um, are very valuable because they all you know give us something that we could possibly do to uh, save money and to be more frugal and to and to you know live a little bit more uh, simply. Uh, so, anyways, let's go ahead and start reading this one. Survival Sullivan. 22 Ways to Save Money While Homesteading Unless you are one of those well-known millionaire preppers off the coast of California, chances are you need to make homesteading as cheap and effective as possible. Saving money will not only make homesteading much simpler, but also it will, it will help you increase your stockpile. You will find many saving tips that include you buying up gold and other precious metals for the time when currency stops being effective. While this is good advice, it is failing to think in the short term after SHTF. After all, immediately after a catastrophic event, money will still be useful and most people will not take your gold as currency. That will come at a later time. You will have to save money mainly for two reasons. Those are emergencies and buying up equipment. The first one is self-explanatory. It is always a good idea to have some money reserved for emergencies. After all, you know better than most the tragedy can strike at any moment and you should avoid being held back by them. The second one requires a little more explanation. You will want to have equipment that lasts for a long time when SHTF and most of the time, though not all, the longest lasting equipment is the most expensive. Saving up for these things will allow you to feel safer in your ability to provide for yourself in an emergency, since you know that your generator will not let you down. In this way, by spending a little extra now, you will be saving yourself a bunch further down the line. So I think it's kind of funny. We're kind of reading two two different articles here, kind of coming from different perspectives of, you know, Pat's article from the Prepper Journal was, uh, you know, at some point it's going to fail, right? Everything is going to fail. And here is like you're saving up. Well, you know, I guess the perspectives are as well. Um, are you looking for, are you prepping for, you know, the end of the world as we know it? Or are you prepping for those emergencies, those times that where there's going to be an emergency and uh, you need to depend on your generator for, you know, a couple of weeks? All right, let's continue on. Cutting down household expenses. This is the first area where you will want to start cutting back as long as you remember that cutting back does not mean suffering. Statistically, people will, with larger savings accounts are those who are smarter when spending for their home. These tips will not only allow you to keep afloat, they will also allow you to start saving up for an emergency and new equipment. Number one, used can be just as good as new. This is a truly helpful thing to remember. Most of the time we think that buying something new will mean that it will last longer. This is not necessarily true, especially since things today are made to last as made not to last as long, so you go out to buy a new one. 
Buying old furniture will get you out of this vicious cycle. Old furniture will was made to last, and so it is guaranteed to last longer than an IKEA chair. The same applies to clothing and other items. Buying at thrift stores and Goodwill will guarantee you a good price for gently used clothing. They will not look like hand-me-downs, but they will save you a ton of money. Also, if you have children, you can organize an exchange cycle with your neighbors, which is great because kids will be getting new stuff every once in a while and nobody will be any poorer for it. Get used to fixing things yourself. Perhaps you already know how to fix some things around the house. However, it is likely that you, are, that you would be able to repair anything if you had the right guidance. Before calling up a repair man to fix it, you should Google the problem and try to find the solution online. There are thousands of instructional videos uploaded every day, ranging from the simplest life hacks with the simplest tools to the mo- most complex fix with heavy equipment. Look around you and you will be able to save hundreds on repair work every year. This has the exact extra benefit of being able to repair anything after the SHTF when you can't depend on calling up a repair shop. Search for parts online and find the best price. More often than not, you will be able to find what you need for at least half the price of what a repairman would cost. Being able to repair your own things also means being able to repair the tools in which you use to repair your things. Keep things keep this in mind when acquiring new fixing skills. Yeah, I, I want to speak to that because I have done quite a bit with just looking at YouTube videos. So, uh, so one of our tablets, and basically they tell you when when a battery goes for a tablet, you're you're pretty much toast. But uh, you know they do sell replacements, and there's a walkthrough video on how to do it. I replace the battery on my wife's uh, tablet. Um, it's kind of scary because you're 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 dealing with small little ribbons and little wires, and I've got big fat fingers, and and uh, you know you're lifting them up very carefully. But and going going from that to the trash, the garbage disposal. I'm sorry, and uh, you know replacing that. Um, there should have been a real easy fix, but it wasn't. I had a really old one on there, and so. Uh, but you know, there was information on YouTube on how to do that. And then uh, one of the last things that I did here just recently, our uh, our uh, refrigerator started leaking, and I we just couldn't I couldn't tell where it was coming from. But I was doing some research online. It had to be a couple of different places, and it didn't look like it was coming from the freezer or from the ice machine. And finally, I found a, a post and a video that talked about it coming from uh, the water filter. And sure enough, uh, I tracked it down and, and figured it out. Uh, ordered the part. And it wasn't hard at all. It's just a matter of, of ordering the part, getting the part, and getting back in there. I think it took 30 minutes to fix it. But, uh, uh, you know, a repairman coming out and doing that probably would have been about $250. And uh, just ordering the part myself, I think the part was about 30, 30 bucks. And, uh, you know, just about 30 minutes worth of time. And in the time of, you know, researching it and looking it up online. But definitely was worth it. And so there's a lot of things out there that you can do, uh, you know, in, in you figure it out on your own. I think having one of those books uh, from you know Amazon that talks about you know home repairs and, and different things like you can do like the Home Improvement uh, or Home Depot has a home improvement or uh, you know a fix it a DIY kind of fix everything book. Uh, Reader's Digest I think had has one of those and uh, I'll link to some of those that I've linked to in the past that have a lot of reviews that um, people you know people believe that it's you know, it's it's a good deal something good to have I'll link to them in the show notes but 
you know, you, you might want to just have some something like that. I mean, that would always work. I was uh, I was in a meeting today where uh, one of the the presenters was talking about uh, just going to Home Depot and how she felt so confident uh, going to one of their tiling uh, tiling uh, schools or lessons, you know. And so they, they offer these free things every every so often, and so you can go and sign up and and go go do this. And uh, she felt so confident afterwards that they did such a good job of teaching her that she went home and she tiled both of her restrooms. And, you know, she did a good job. She's, you know, she yeah, did a good job. And this is this was a woman with a Ph.D. And so, um, uh, you know, a lot of times you think, man, yeah, you're, you're book smart. But no, she, you know, she went out there and she did it. And so utilizing Home, home Depot and things like that where you can learn different skills, I think that would be valuable. So I know I'm doing a lot of talking on that one. Uh, let's continue on. Uh, review your insurance and other bills. Every year, review your insurance. It looks for better, look for better coverage, better prices, etc. This will not do much after SHTF, but at least it will help you make sure that you are protected while the system lasts, and this is not to be underestimated. Do not fo- just focus on the big companies either. Some smaller insurance companies have lower rates to attract new customers. Take advantage of this fact and search for a better option. Do the same with the rest of your bills, whether it be the internet, phone service, or anything else that comes from a monthly expenses. I will tell you just recently uh, with the insurance thing, uh, did save some money doing that. So that is something you want to do. Number four is put off turning on the AC. In warmer climates, this might seem like a hard thing to do, but the amount of electricity spent during the summer months on these kinds of appliances is, is enormous. There are many things you can do to keep cool during the summer without the AC. Here are a few of them. Weather strip doors and windows. Keep spray bottles around the house and spray your face whenever you get too hot. Open the windows early in the morning when the sun starts climbing. Close them again. Consider investing in blackout blinds. If you can't, then put aluminum foil over the windows. will do the trick. Plant trees outside your west-facing windows and drink eight glasses of water every day. Hey, if you uh, receive the Prepper uh, website uh, email, uh, I usually send that out on Monday morning. Then you received an article, uh, an older article that uh, talks about uh, redneck air condition and also ways to stay cool in the summertime. Number five is put off turning on the heating. Following the same reasoning as the previous tip, putting off turning on the heating will drastically reduce your electric bill. Living in ra- in rasher winter conditions this might seem near impossible but there are a few tips you can follow that will at the very least allow you to put it off for longer here are some of the most useful tips out there once again weather strip your doors and windows close off rooms that are not being used keep inside doors closed to stop the draft make a simple cheap heater here's one that will allow you to heat up a smallish room with almost no effort Insulate your home by doing by double glazing your windows, covering under door cracks, using fiberglass wool, and more. Keep your blinds and curtains closed unless the window faces east. Cook at home. Cooking releases a ton of heat that is usually wasted. Number six, replace your light bulbs. This is possibly the simplest money-saving tip. Simply replace all your CFL or compact fluorescent lights or incandescent light bulbs with LED light-emitting diodes light bulbs. At first glance, LEDs are more expensive, around $8 rather than one or two you will spend on a CFL bulb. However, in the long term, LEDs are dramatically cheaper. 
An incandescent light bulb will need to be replaced 21 times in 23 years, while a CFL light bulb will, be need, will need to be replaced three times in the same number of years. An LED light bulb will not need replacing in those 23 years unless you break it. Already, there's a significant difference between the three in terms of saving money. At $0.12 cents per kilowatt hour, an incandescent light bulb will cost you $180 for 25,000 hours. For the same time, a CFL light bulb will cost you 42 and a LED light bulb will cost you 30 In sum, the total cost of running an incandescent light bulb for 23 years is $201. That is more expensive than a 2-in-1 food saver. A CFL light bulb will cost 48 and an LED light will cost 38 So you think about those costs over a period of, t a period of time, but of all the lights in your house. So uh, that is something that you want to do. Number seven, wash your clothes in cold water, then line dry them. Washing in cold water will allow you to save as much as $1.08 on wash day. It may not seem like much, but looking at the bigger picture, it is a lot of money saved every year. Line drying has the benefit of humidifying the air, which helps to stay helps you to stay warm during the winter and allows to save money on electricity. Number eight, learn to barter. Learning this particular skill will potentially save hundreds of dollars every year. Bartering is far more popular than you can imagine in rural areas while people might have to travel for a while to get their goods. If you are homesteading, then it is very likely that you are producing at the very least your own food. Now, it is rare that you produce the exact amount of food you will need, and it is impossible to produce all the food you need. So why not exchange those extra eggs for some animal feed? Look for items that may have a high bartering value and produce them. My grandmother used to say that if I learned to make buttonholes, I would never be hungry, and in the spirit of that is that we advise that you learn how to make these tricky items and use them, not only for your own benefit, but also for bartering. Food and Garden the easiest way to save money while building a homestead is to grow as much of the food as you consume as possible. Conservative estimates say that an average American family of four will spend around $500 a month on food and other household supplies, while the right care and equipment is not necessary to spend quite as so much. In fact, if you have any others in your neighborhood interested in homesteading, consider trading your equipment back and forth to accomplish your mutual needs. Gardening equipment can be expensive, so setting up a mutual lending system within your neighborhood may be the perfect way to split up front costs. Number nine, cook from scratch. This means stop buying things you could be making at home. If you are already producing milk, then you can make your own cheese, butter, and cream. The same applies to pretty much anything in a supermarket. Sure, it takes a little longer and some planning, but in the long run, you will be saving a lot of money. Number ten, seed saving. This is easy and will instantly make you better prepared for when SHTF. You will not always be able to buy more seeds, either because you are short on money or because there simply aren't any to be had. Pick the best produce from the garden and save the seeds. Make sure to research the various techniques of seed saving. Number 11. Make your own compost. Funnily enough, this is not something most people think about, but making your own compost has huge benefits both to your pocket and the quality of your homestead. You might be tempted to buy a compost bin or one of those fancy high-tech ones that make compost overnight, but it is dead simple to make one. Here's another. And I think there was supposed to be some links here. Maybe they're kind of missing. Um, 
Having compost will not reduce your expenses immediately, but it will do it in a more subtle way. The quality of your soul will increase dramatically, meaning that you will be able to produce a lot more with the same effort, which means you will have more items to barter or sell. You will stop buying fertilizer, which are, is getting alarmingly expensive, and be able to use your own produce instead, or products instead. Sorry. Number 12, breed animals for sustainability. You will not always be able to order chickens online, and indeed, you might be spending more money than you need to by not breeding your own. Breeding for sustainability means buying once and keeping forever. Get animals from different distinct bloodlines and keep the best specimens to breed. With a large enough space, you can breed practically anything, but for cost-effective animals, think of goats, chicken, turkeys, and swine. And I would add rabbits in there too. Uh, number 13, either produce your own feed or buy it in bulk. Animal feed has never been particularly cheap. If you are able, you can seriously reduce the cost of keeping animals if you produce your own feed. It is hard work, so if you are unable to make your own, then you should look to, for offers and buy it by the ton. You will not, however, want to go for the cheapest offer as it can sometimes contain, contain substances that will not do your animal any favors and you will end up having to pay for the vet to have them looked at or end up losing the animal completely. Number 14, fence strategically. You might be tempted to fence around everything you own. However, even the cheapest fencing can be costly if not used strategically and cheap fencing will be quite useless to keep people out. Save the expensive fences for perimeter and valuables. Think about using natural fencing plants. To keep animals and to separate orchards, think about building your own fence from pallets. Why not create a vineyard around the orchard, therefore building a fence with a purpose? Number 15, building. Possibly one of the bigger costs is building costs. To save in this area, you will want to do as much of it yourself. This means acquiring new skills and perfecting them through, sadly, trial and error. Remember that you should only build the things you know how to build. Otherwise, it can quickly become unsafe and very expensive. Get an experienced friend to help out and don't forget to return the favor later when they need you. Make sure to look for the cells. Catching some building materials on sale at your local building material store can save you some cash. Just make sure to store it inside your barn, storage building, or cover it up to keep it safe until it's needed. Number 16. Finding Surplus Building Materials while in the planning stages of building, look around in your area for someone who has just finished one. It is likely that they will have some unused material they will sell cheaply, just for the sake of getting rid of it quickly. Look around your local lumber mill and get gray and weathered lumber. They will sell it for next to nothing, and it is still useful. Make sure it is not rotten, though. And I will just say, if you, you know, my uncle... Um, buys property and tears down the houses and uh, you know builds them up again and it's been very profitable profitable for him here in Houston. Uh, he purchased a property and tore down a house that had a, a a pretty nice little shed in the back and it looked it looked to be pretty new and uh, he didn't want it he didn't want it part of he didn't want it to be part of the property. Uh, he knew my dad had a place up in the country and asked my dad if he wanted it. So my dad you know went over there with uh, a couple of guys and and just kind of uh, just 
it was pretty simple to just kind of break it down and took it up to the country. And so uh, there might be opportunities like that. If you see builders building new homes or, or building, tearing down homes and building new ones, you might go to them and say, hey, look, if there's ever any material or structure or whatever that, you know, you want to get rid of, I'd love to be able to come and, and uh, you know, purchase or get that from you. Uh, that would just help them out. So if you do something like that, you got to be ready to move pretty quickly and have the, have the trailer and, and help to, to get it done. All right, number 17. Get your own bandsaw sawmill. If you are fortunate enough to live in a wooded area, then it is very likely that you your most used building material will be wood. So perhaps you want to think about not buying timber and simply cutting it into useful boards. Remember that the mo- more independent you are, the cheaper you are living and the better prepared you are for SHTF. Number 18, pallets. Pallets are the most versatile things out there. The wood is tough, they are easy to transport, and already they have some structure. Best of all, they are free. You can find free pallets practically anywhere from lumber yards to supermarkets to sporting goods stores. They are everywhere. Since they were designed to last for a very long time and resist heavy handling, pallets make for excellent building materials in pig pens, coops, or goat barns. Here are some of the things people have made out of pallets, just to give you an idea of just how versatile they are and perhaps inspire a few projects of your own. I know some people are going to say uh, you got to be careful with what kind of uh, uh, wood is those pallets are made of. Uh, some of the woods are treated, and you know if you're going to have them around in your garden area or you're going to have them around animals, you just want to be careful with that. So uh, I know some people will say that, and there's been articles on the, on that as well. Uh, different things to look for. I guess there's codes on uh, on pallets. Uh, I'll try to see if I have one. I know that I've seen them before in the past. I'll see if I find one on Prepper website, and uh, I'll uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. Other practical tips. These are just some extra ideas on how to save money while homesteading. Some of them are pretty common sense, but it is never a bad idea to mention them and their workings. Save 50 cents each day for a year. This is so easy it almost feels like cheating. Setting aside just 50 cents daily is the simplest way of saving money. By the end of the year, you will have $182.50, which leaves you only $4 short of that food saver we mentioned earlier. Number 20, if you use it a lot, try to make it yourself. Toilet paper is one of the very few things that is hard to make at home. Outside of that, you can make pretty much everything you need. This goes in the same spirit of tip number nine. The more you avoid going shopping, the more you save, and it is as simple as that. This does not mean that you should get used to lower quality homemade stuff. You can make high quality sunblock using your food processor, toothpaste, and shampoo on your stovetop. It is only a matter of finding the instructions to make it. The less you depend on the outside world, the better prepared you will be and the less money you will spend. Number 20. Think about what you really need. This tip applies to every area covered in this article and beyond. Before you start a new project, think about whether or not you will definitely need it and whether or not it is cost effective. Look into your closet, pantry, and shed and think about how many of the items in there you actually use and then buy replacements or completely new stuff according to your findings. Society today teaches us having more stuff makes us better. This is not true. Having better and useful stuff makes us better. Number 22, gray water. Consider using what is known as gray water for your gardening needs. Gray water is water that has been used for showering, washing your hands, and more, but it is not contaminated with feces and other waste products. Use this to water your plants, flush the toilet, and so on. Wrap up. 
The tips listed here are probably the best out there. In truth, all you need to save money is to start spending it smartly and being able to distinguish between good prices and a ripoff, so be sure to inform yourself. A smart customer is the last thing retailers want, so become that person and do not allow them to cheat you out of your dollars. One of the reasons why I like Amazon is that um, you get to look at the reviews. So when you look at the reviews and you see some, you know, something that has been purchased over a hundred times, or even sometimes a thousand times or more, and it's got four or you know four and a half five star reviews on there, you know that. Um, you know, you know that it's a, it's going to be a good deal. And so you think about how many times uh, you purchase things and don't leave a review, but something that has that many reviews, somebody's taking the time to do that. I mean, that's usually a pretty decent uh, item. And so uh, there's going to always be someone that's not happy. Now, there's always going to be one product that just, you know, didn't work out or they didn't read the instructions. They didn't do it well and they came and they, they threw up all over uh, you know Amazon about it. Sometimes people get mad because of the shipping, and they give the the product a negative review because of the shipping. Um, but you know, look through that and use your head. But that's one way to to also save money to make sure that you're just not buying junk out there. Because it used to be in the day before Amazon, right? You would just go out to the store, you see something, you buy it, and uh, you know if if it was a dud, if the company had duds all the way through, you wouldn't really know that until uh, maybe if there was a consumer report. You know, recall or something like that. But on Amazon, you get to, you make some good informed choices. So, all right, guys. Hey, if you get a chance, come by the website and uh, share out the episode. Really appreciate that. Uh, I do appreciate if you can do a review on iTunes or Stitcher. That always helps to bring the Prepper Website podcast up in the search engine rankings, so people can find it a little bit more easily. And then if you can get the word out there, those of you that are doing it, I, you know, I got an email from John Rourke at, over at 1776PatriotUSA.com. Just say, hey, Todd, I mean, how's the podcast doing? I'm just letting you know that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm touching base out there uh, and, and letting people know about it and uh, mention it out on, um, mentioning it on the website. Hey, I really do appreciate that. Uh, this weekend, eat the you know Joe Mama over at Eaton Rapids Joe uh, did did mention Prepper website, not necessarily the podcast, but Prepper website, and uh, was uh, was kind of kind. At first, I was I wasn't sure uh, about the about the <laughs> actually, and my son had read it too. He wasn't sure about uh, the article, but uh, he's referencing another um, uh, blog. Uh, on the top and then uh, and I guess the first time I read it I was on my phone and I wasn't able to see the the picture very well uh, but yeah you you get to see that he's talking about another another blog and then he's uh, kind of points out some features of proper website for people who maybe they don't know I don't always talk about that those features but uh, but they're there there's a lot of other pages on uh, on Prepper website, you know, pages like uh, the second most popular one is the alternative news one, where I have tons of uh, uh, of feeds coming in. And so, if you wanted to go take a a quick look at what's out there in, in alternative news sites, um, you could go to that one. And you know, all those extra pages are on the right hand corner of Prepper website, and you can you can hit that up there uh, on the right hand corner. But uh, again, appreciate everyone who who shares out. 
uh, our information, you know, you can do that. You can do that uh, as well by coming to the website, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, and clicking on our social media. Uh, you know, you can do it for the podcast or you can do it for the episode, the specific episode. And uh, if you get a chance, drop me a line in the comment section or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I always love to hear from uh, from you, uh, or f- I love to hear from listeners. And don't forget to head over to PrepperWebsite.com because we do have a lot of articles over there that I never get to on the podcast. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.